1: Quite frankly, when it comes to sports media, we need to be throwing more pies. That's steak, bourbon, and sports. Less pie, more steak. It's simple. We grill a great steak, talk about the steak. We drink great bourbon, talk about the bourbon. And we throw pies and talk about sports. Not in a literal sense. The steak and the bourbon are literal, the pies figurative. We're making sports fun again. Or we're making fun of sports. Probably both. Join me, Ari Temkin, from the Dallas Cowboys Radio Network and Sirius XM Radio and my good friend Jeremy Mandel. Steak, bourbon, and sports on CLNS Media. Episodes available Wednesday mornings. Make sure to subscribe wherever you listen to and consume your podcasts and enjoy the company.
0: This is February 18th, and this is The Bruins Beat on CLNS Media. And welcome back to The Bruins Beat on CLNS Media. My name is is Evan Marinofsky and the trade deadline is officially one week away. Uh we spent last episode kind of discussing and glossing over some trade deadline uh stories. Now we got real stuff to go off of. We have information and on this week uh my good friend Connor Ryan on Boston Sports Journal so we get into Everything surrounding the trade deadline. Uh, Next episode, will be probably recapping and reacting to what happened. Um, Everyone thinks the Brewers are going to do something. Connor and I get into what we think they'll do and what they should do um, in this episode. But first, sports and the spotlight once again as the NBA season's heating up. College basketball has the drive onto March Madness. And the Wilder vs. Fury 2 fight is shaping up to be a pretty, pretty, good one. You can find all the odds and information with our exclusive sports book partner, bet Online. For over 20 years, bet Online has been providing customers with the first to market odds and giving you the ability to bet anytime, anywhere. Head over to BetOnline.ag and use our promo code CLNS50 to receive your 50% welcome bonus on your first deposit and have a little fun with some betting action today. Have a little bit of fun. Again, that's our promo code CLNS50 at BetOnline.ag to receive a 50% welcome bonus on the first deposit. Betonline, your online sportsbook experts. But without further ado, here is my conversation with Connor Ryan. And we're here with Connor Ryan. Connor, what is up?
1: I'm much, man. What's going on with you?
0: Well, we're at that fun time of the year. I was just saying this to you off the air before we started, where we have the the, the trade deadline coming up. It's February 24th, the deadline. It's going to be, a, it's a Monday, correct? Yes. It's a big Monday. So, this, you know, we're, it's going to be an exciting Monday. It's a week from when we're recording this. Um, and what's fun about it is, it's just, there's more things to talk about. There's different things to talk about. Uh, the past couple episodes on here, we've touched on the deadline, but Now we get to just fully jump right in. And there's actually some news to talk about. Uh, Late Sunday night after the Bruins uh, beat the Rangers, the Tampa Bay Lightning go out and uh, trade for Blake Coleman of the New Jersey Devils. And what was weird was uh, Darren Drager, I think, first tweeted that Coleman would be out that night. And someone reported that Coleman was going to the Avalanche And then everyone was like, no, he's not going to the Avalanche. And then the Bruins were mentioned as a team who were who was in on him. And then all of a sudden Tampa came in and swooped in, gave up a first round pick and Nolan foot. So technically two first round picks for Blake Coleman has 21 goals on the year. Um what did you think of it? What is this sort of how does this impact the Bruins?
1: Uh Well, I think if you're the Bruins, you know, you have, you have to think that of all teams to pick up a guy like him, the last one you want to, to grab them is a, a team like Tampa Bay, which obviously has just kind of been a wagon for the last two months of the year. I think they've won like 22 out of their last 25 games or something like that. And like, you know, they didn't have to do anything at the deadline, honestly. And they still would be viewed as, you know, this this not going into the playoffs. And I know, you know, how they did last year, anything can happen in the playoffs. But still, I mean, you just look at them on paper. And, uh, you know, what, what they kind of bring and, you know, they just look like an absolute wagon in terms of, you know, they can obviously score with the best of them. They got a very good decor. Ryan McDonough should be back pretty soon, which helps him out a lot. And then under Vasilevsky, who's obviously one of the best goalies started off slow, like pretty much the whole team, but now he's really kind of getting momentum. I don't think, I don't think they've lost like in regulation when he started, I think since they started this run. So, um, of all teams to pick up a guy like Coleman, who's probably one of the more underrated guys on the, you know, mentioned as a, a potential trade target. Um, I think it's, you know, pretty bad news for the Bruins, and it just more or less further reinforces the fact that they really have to make a move to kind of stay afloat, you know, in terms of, you know, the Bruins, again, have won nine out of the last ten games, and it hasn't factored at all into kind of adding to this cushion they have because if Tampa Bay, you know, wins tonight, there's still only a point back of the Bruins. So, um again, I think it's just more of the onus on Sweeney to make a move, which – that's kind of been what we've been saying for months now, you know, that, that vacancy in that top six role is still there. You know, Carson Coleman's filled in pretty well, but I don't know if he's the, the guy you're most comfortable, comfortable with rolling into the postseason with. So, um, again, you look at, you know, out Tampa Bay adding a guy like Coleman who's on pace for 30 goals this year. He, uh, you know, he's a physical guy. He's a guy that you, any cup contender would want to add. To the mix going into the playoffs, so he's a big guy. He throws his weight around. I think he had 200 hits last year. Um, You know, again Tampa took one on the chin against Columbus last year, and what do they do? You know, they bring back pretty much the same core that you know won 60 games, and then add a guy like Patrick Maroon, who's a big physical guy who obviously won a cup last year. As a guy now with Blake Coleman, who can score goals, is great at five on five, and can throw his weight around. The onus is on the Bruins to counter this with was making a splash because. Bruins are a very, very talented team, but they need, you know, another top six presence to really get that that crazy line really rolling.
0: Yeah, I mean, right now the Lightning are, are as you said, are a wagon. I have their February schedule up in front of me. They have not lost yet at all this month. They, are, they have just won games. Um, and, again, the last team, if you're the Bruins, you want anybody at the deadline going to is the Tampa Bay Lightning. I remember I could be misremembering this, but when Eric Carlson's name was floated out a few mm-hmm. years ago, I think that they were talking about him possibly going to Tampa. And that was like, Oh my God, the lightning are going to just be unbelievable. Cause that was the year before Eric Carlson had torched the Bruins with senators in the playoffs. Mm-hmm. And then presumably he'd be doing it with the lightning. They didn't even need Eric Carlson to beat, <laughs> to beat the Bruins in the 17, 18 season. Um, however, where I think this impacts the Bruins a lot is look what it took to get Blake Coleman. Now Coleman's a unique case. He's a big, you know, he's a physical guy. He can score goals. Um, would have probably looked pretty good on Krejci's right side. I don't know how much he's been playing the right side um, in New Jersey, but I figure it wouldn't be the worst. It wouldn't be the hardest transition in the world to just play the right side. Um, it took a first and Nolan foot, who's also a first rounder. So basically two first rounders for Blake Coleman, who we haven't heard a ton about, a- available at the deadline. He's not one one of the names we've been hearing a lot about. Certainly a good player, but not somebody I think who's been headlining the names of this trade deadline class. If that's I guess that makes sense, you know, these guys get looped in: Tyler Toffoli, Chris Kreider. So if it's going to take that much to get him, I don't think it would take as much to get a guy like Tyler Toffoli. But what impact does this have in your eyes on? What the Bruins are going to have to give up to get someone because they're going to have to counter. They they've got to get someone. What do you think in your eyes does this have to sort of impact what they're going to give up?
1: Well, I think it all kind of depends on you know the team um, that you know that's trading for one of these guys. So when you look at Tampa Bay's situation, you know where they're already up against the cap and they've got you know guys like you know Hedman and Stamkos, Kucherov, Point, all those guys signed. Um, he's, I think his money's bumping up to like nine point five million next year. So you get a situation where all right, you know, they're going to be up against the cap next year. A lot of guys are due for some big pay raises like Anthony Torelli, I think due. kill target sheds due. um, Kevin Shaddenkirk's obviously going to be freezing. So who knows what they're going to do there. So they're going to be in a tight spot next year. So I think when you look at their situation, I think that factors into how much they had to give up to get a guy like Coleman, who again, helps them right now in the immediate kind of puts them over the top, especially, you know, in terms of five on five scoring. Um, but also, you know, he's under contract for next year. At an absurd, at absurd value, like $1.8 million next year for a guy who is probably going to get 20, 25 gold at a minimum again in Tampa's system. I mean, that's, that's, that's a trade that I think is maybe not well worth what they gave up for, him, but I could see why Tampa, you know, looks at, you know, the cup window they're in right now and how, you know, tight their money is going to be next year. And it's like, all right, you know, screw it. Like this, this, this is the price you have to pay to get a cost controlled guy like that then we're going to pull the trigger on it. And I think for any player that is either – I think, you know, look at a guy like Kreider, who's obviously kind of a rental piece, but I think his impact is one that warrants probably a first-round pick being the asking price. But I think if you look at one that the Bruins are targeting, that's going to, you know, maybe he's under contract for another a year or so. So let's say Kyle Palmieri who obviously would be a great pickup for the Bruins. Um, Andrej Kosh for uh, Anaheim Ducks, he's a little bit of a – a bit of a, a different, you know, situation where he's under contract for next year at 2.8 million, but you don't really know exactly what you're going to get from him. Maybe you don't have to give up a first for a guy like him, but look at anyone else though, like, uh, you know, like Paul Mary or, uh, any of these guys who have some term. I think that's what the asking price is going to be is going to be that first round pick. So that's all, it all kind of depends on what Don Tweeney values in terms of, you know, giving up, giving up a first rounder for, him because look at they give up the first rounder for Rick Nash. And then pretty much that entire, you know, leading up to that draft, John Sweeney always talked about how much he was trying to recoup that first-round pick and how much he values it. And that whole situation kind of blew up in the Bruins' face where I don't think they'd make that trade for Rick Nash where they give up a first-rounder unless they thought that they were going to be able to re-sign him going into next year. And I think that was pretty much what the plan was going to be. But then he gets the concussion issues, ends up retiring, kind of just, you know, destroys that whole plan they had there. So – I don't think the Bruins are going to, you know, give away a first rounder unless it's either for a guy with term or a guy that, you know, they're, they're pretty certain they can walk up to a long-term deal. So, you know, if they trade for a guy like Kreider, maybe it's, you know, they, they do the, the good old, uh, you know, local hometown angle and get them to sign for below his value. But if I'm Kreider, I'm still, I'm still testing the market, you know, like people are saying that he can get, you know, seven, seven and a half million on the open market, especially if he finishes the year strong. So I think if you're the Bruins, you know it's either look at maybe a guy like Toffoli who, you know, maybe you can give up a, a second and a couple more draft picks or uh, a second and a, a prospect to get a deal done or a guy like Paul Mary who you invest that one you know, that that first rounder in. But it you know, I think for what Tampa gave it, it hinges a lot more on the kind of what their situation was than kind of setting the new market for what all the other guys are gonna get up out there.
0: Yeah. And, and I think that the only guy right now who the Bruins are in on who I would give up a first round pick for is Kreider. I think he's the only okay. one, um, that is a sure you have to give a first round pick for. There's no way out. By the way, the Rick Nash trade also brought the Rangers Ryan Lindgren, who Brad Marshawn got into it with yeah, uh, on Sunday. One. I know, <laughs> right? <laughs> it's going to be the guy for them, but, um, Toffoli, to me, does not warrant a first-round pick. I think, as you said, you can get away with a second for him uh, and some prospects or, or or, just kind of however you want to do that. You can avoid the first-round pick. You can avoid, you know, giving up guys like Beecher, Stunica, um Oh, my God, I'm blanking on the other one. back um, Uh Trent Frederick. That's the oh, other Fred Frederick, uh, guy yeah. I was thinking of. You can avoid having to give guys like that up. Um, so I, you know, guys, a guy like Josh Anderson is another name that's been thrown around a lot. Only has one goal this year. He's currently hurt. I loved him against the Bruins in the second round last season, but he hasn't really done much of anything this year. So I think his value is very low. Um, you know, a lot of people think he'd be. You know, when he gets healthy, he can slot it on the second line next to Krejci. I'm not so sure that he's, you know, I don't think you can only just get him. I think you can only just get a guy like Toffoli because, you know, he's scored 30 goals before. You know, he's had some up and down seasons yet, but he had the hat trick uh, the other night at the stadium series game. So he's a little bit more proven than a guy like Anderson. Same with Kasha. I'm not so sold on him. You know, he's very good, but he's younger. You know, he he doesn't have exactly – He's an injury risk. Like, yeah. yeah, exactly. And, and, yeah. and the numbers aren't exactly all there. Um, so, I mean, we'll get to what we think the Bruins should do later. Like, you know, who, if we were Don Sweeney, what would we do? But a name that's been thrown around a lot, and I'm working on a column right now, detailing why it's not the best idea. A, a name that's been thrown around a lot is Joe Thornton. Big old jumbo Joe coming back to Boston, and everyone's getting all wrapped up in the story. And we ta- I, I talked about this with Trags uh, last on last week's episode. Um, I—I I get the move from the standpoint of it's a cool story, bringing him back, last shot at the cup. It's the reverse Ray Bork, yippee! But from a hockey perspective, I don't really understand it. What's your thoughts on that?
1: Yeah, I mean, the the narrative would be great. I mean, I think everyone, especially our
0: generation, you know,
1: loved Joe Thornton, you know, growing up, and we're all devastated when he got traded. Um And it would be a great story if he comes back here, scores goal in game seven, you know, when – Oh, my when, like, I mean, the narrative would be awesome. But I think when you look at just the fit, I think the fit is the biggest problem because I don't really know where exactly you you fit him in, especially with kind of what the Bruins are looking, you know, to get out of their, their bottom six, which – you would imagine is where they'd put him. So I think, you know, if another team wanted to pick him up and let's say he slots into a a fourth line, it's a little bit more, you know, focused on playmaking a little bit more skilled than kind of what the Bruins are looking for, then maybe it fits. But I think for the Bruins, it's like, all right, you got, you know, when that fourth line's rolling as you saw last year in the playoffs, where you have kind of bigger bodies like Wagner or Crowley kind of playing their game, they bring such a a key part to, you know, the, the formula you kind of need to have for, you know, playoff hockey, where they throw their weight around, you know, shut down the other teams, you know, uh another team's top six forward group. Like, that, that's what they're best at, and that's what Bruce Cassidy and the Brooms expects from them every every game, you know, especially in the playoffs. I don't know what adding guy like Joe Thornton, who's obviously up there in age, he's not this, you know, he's a, he's a big body, but he's not a guy who's all of a sudden, like, throwing his weight around like, a you know, a Wagner or Corralia or a Chari like you saw last year. So I don't know how putting him in that mix, you know, really kind of helps out what the Bruins trying to accomplish from that line. And then you throw everything else out of whack. Like let's say, all right, well maybe we have him for your third line center and bring Coyle up there. Like I stop stop moving Charlie Coyle. Like keep when Charlie Coyle is at his best when he's, you know, in that bottom six role driving that line. I'd much rather have Charlie Coyle, you know, hold on to the puck and extending possessions and like, pantsing other bottom six guys on the other team and just extending those plays and helping out guys like Bjork along the way and have him contribute to to that crazy line which you know they've had some good numbers this year but not enough that warrants like all right we have to put coil up there because I we saw last year how key that third line is in terms of you know just allowing you know that bottom six to breathe and provide some of that secondary scoring you saw I mean the Bruins swept Carolina last year, and it seemed like that series wasn't close. But people forget, like, Carolina had absolutely no response with the way the coil line was playing throughout that series. Like, that, that line, when it's going, adds so much of a, a different uh, dynamic towards the Bruins to kind of put him out there. So, I think, you know, you look at Joe Thorne again, it would be great. You know, if you could give up, like, not that much for him or have him as an extra piece, screw it, I guess. But I think in terms of what people are expecting him to fit into a defined role, I don't know where it is here on, on this Bruins team. Like, you want to toss away, like, a six-round pick and bring him in as a, an extra body, like, you know, kind of what they had with, like, you know, uh, like, you know, Wingles or any of these other guys they brought in, which is, like, a guy that slots <laughs> in. Not to say that Joe Dorton's like, that same role. You know, like, he's obviously, like, a, a Hall of Fame player, but I just don't know where he, he'd he fit into this group. So he's, like, a defined, all right, you're going to be in here for, you know, 20, 25 playoff games or and stretch, like, I don't know where you slot him in that doesn't disrupt kind of all the other moving pieces on that, on that forward group for the broom.
0: He doesn't fit in. That's exactly it. He does not fit at all. I mean, you said everything right with the, the coil, the coil line. And it's the same with the fourth line. It's like, okay, you know, some people are saying, well, you know, if he doesn't fit on the third line, you can put him at the fourth line, you know, in, in the center slot and move Corrales up. And it's like Corrales the heartbeat of that fourth line. Like, Remember last season when that when Karali was hurt and then he came back and changed everything? Joe mm-hmm. Thornton's not having that same impact. And the yeah. other thing is he's slower. He's not known anymore as a shutdown, you know, guy. I mean, that's part of what Karali's so good at is being hard on the forecheck. I'm not looking to Joe Thornton to do that. Also, yeah. another thing, the playmaking abilities. That's all well and good. You know, probably a better playmaker than Sean Karali is. But working with Joakim Nordstrom and Chris Wagner or whoever you put, you know, Anton Bleed, whoever, I mean, that's – their job really isn't you know, they're not skilled guys. It's not like he's going to be setting up all these goals. Part, You know, half of playmaking is the person you pass to who's got to score. They have not been scoring a ton of goals this season. So the point of Jumbo Joe, the only place that he might be a little bit of an upgrade is in front of the net on the power play. But Jake mm-hmm. DeBrusk has been completely fine. They have the second-best power play in the NHL, first most if you look at goals. So what is the point? There's yeah, no I mean, point to bring him back. It's a cool story, but there's really no point.
1: I mean, you look at Joe Thornton. what he brings is playmaking and a, a little bit of size, but he's not like a, a, a guy that, you know, is going to be you know trucking guys during the playoffs. So, all right, playmaking, that's the one thing that Burns had plenty of. Like, on the blue line, they got Krug, uh, McAvoy, Grizzlick. Obviously, all these guys up front crazy, Coyle is a good playmaker. Corrali is a good playmaker for what he does, especially on the forecheck. That's all said. What they need is a, a guy that can finish and a guy that's kind of that that blend of, you know, like a guy like Anderson or someone that can really kind of throw their weight around. Joe Thornton doesn't check off anything of what I think they they need going into the, the deadline.
0: And the other thing, so um, one thing that uh, every obviously the main need for the Bruins is a. Uh, right winger next to Craigie. And right now that's being occupied by Carson Coleman. Um, part, as we said, with the Joe Thornton stuff, you'd have to move guys around. You know, you're moving Coil up, you're moving Crowley to the left wing, all this stuff. Um, let's say they get a, a right winger next to Craigie. We'll give our pick for who we think it should be later. Um, but that requires moving Carson Coleman. And right now... The third and fourth lines have been pretty defined the past couple of weeks, especially since the break. You have Bjork, uh, Coyle, and Heinen, and they've been fine. They've been a, a solid line. Heinen's missed some time because of, uh, you know, Cassidy's you know, healthy scratch for a little bit. But he's been generally fine. I guess maybe he'd be the spot where Coleman could maybe interchange with. Fourth line's kind of in the fourth line. Where does a guy like Coleman fit in? And has he even, in your opinion, has he warranted himself a spot in the lineup come the playoffs. If you were to make your best four lines with that top six winger that you get at the deadline in there, is he, does he make your, where does he make in your top 12?
1: I think he'd probably just go into that kind of rotation that they would probably have on that third line. I think at this point, again, don't put coil anywhere else, keep him where he is. Uh, And you know, I think Bjork's fit in very well in that line. You know, I don't, I don't know if maybe it's something where it's all right. You got three spots for, you know, three, to three players for two spots with Bjork, um, Coleman and Heinen. You kind of interchange them, but I have to imagine that Bjork's done enough to, to warrant kind of consistently staying in that lineup. I mean, he's a guy who on pace for, you know, about 20 points, you know, double digit goals is kind of what we expected for a guy who's in the middle of his honestly his first full season you know in terms of he said, he's been danged up obviously in previous years but um I think what Cole, what George really stood out with in his game has been his defensive play I mean he's got great speed but he's got an active stick you know they've trusted him on PK situations and I think what him and Coyle together and they're really playing playing to their strength, they can just be like a puck possession monster you know and that that means so much in the playoffs when you're, you're going up against these teams that have so much depth and scoring talent across the lineup to have a, a guy like Coyle and Bjork working together. Um, so I think it comes down to Heinen and Coleman and what they each kind of bring. And you wonder kind of where, you know, a guy like Heinen might fit in the big picture. And speaking to me, like, I'm a, I'm a big Heinen defender, because so I think he's so good defensively, but you see uh, his offensive numbers and how they've dipped. Um, and, and granted, you know, he's had a bit of a rough time with, you know, he's been across different lineups and, and stuff like that, but you wonder if like, if the Bruins have to power ways with a, you know, an, an NHL talent, you know, in terms in order to seal a deal on a, a larger trade, or maybe they don't want to get rid of a first rounder or top prospect and they toss in a guy like Heinen instead, which a team might have value in. Um, that could very well be the case. Like, I don't think there's any options that the Bruins really aren't, aren't, you know, viewing going into this deadline I mean there's some outlandish ones where it's like trading like Tory Krug or anything like that they're not going to do that like they're going they're going all in this year you know they're not pulling a, a, a Mookie bet and like oh and those three we are going to make our current team a lot worse in process like they're not doing that but I think you know maybe if, if Heinen could be a possible trade ship that could be something that the Bruins explore and it's a good problem I think Cassie does have like they've I think they've noticed over the last couple of weeks that the Bruins during this great stretch have had a lot of internal competition that's really kind of raised level play all across the roster with a guy like Jeremy Lozon coming in and pushing the the bottom of that D-core, especially a guy like John Moore. Um, you know, you've got Anton Bleed added to the lineup and had a little bit of spot for guys like Corrali and Wagner who've been playing better as a result. So, worst case scenario, if it's, you know, three guys for two spots and they're just kind of keep on cycling in and out, ideally you want to have a little bit more consistency, but I still think at the least leading into the playoffs, it's a good problem for the Bruins to have where they've got, you know, three guys who all have their good merits, you know, fighting for a squad next to a kind of a constant guy like Coyle.
0: It's funny. You mentioned the internal competition. I remember when they, when they sent David Backus down, or was supposed to send him down to Providence, they mentioned bringing up guys like Bleed and getting the internal competition going. And I remember thinking, you know, I wonder how that's going to work itself out. And they've only won really since. Yeah. Um, so That's a very interesting thing. The other thing you bring up is Heinen and where he fits in with the deadline stuff last year. You know, the Bruins did trade a uh, current Bruin off the roster and Ryan Donato, and it worked out in their favor heavily. Uh, Donato really has not seen a ton of time this year for the wild. He's sort of been a big bust. Um, You know, maybe some trouble adjusting. It is his first full season, but still I, I think that most people are kind of, Given the Bruins the old W on that trade. Um, I don't think you're going many, to see many people giving Minnesota that. Um, but he really – Dan Heinen might be the only Bruin on the current roster because my take since t- the, the Taylor Hall rumors was keep the Bruins' current roster intact, you know, except for Stanika and maybe Frederick and Beecher. You know, your draft picks and those other prospects are find a deal. Don't trade anyone off the current roster. I'm a Heinen defender just like you but he might be the only guy in the forward group who has like real value who I would deal. I, I don't, I, I wouldn't trade, I wouldn't deal Bjork. I think his chemistry with Coyle has been great. Um, Coleman, I wouldn't deal yet. I don't, I think that there's still some, some untapped potential there, um, you know, drives hard to the net. At some point, he's got to start finishing these chances. Um, hein is sort of, as you said, the odd guy out in that, in that scenario. And I wouldn't be surprised to see them, deal him but I also feel like I don't know if they would let Cassidy healthy scratch him if they wanted teams to see his value do you know what I mean like I don't know I I, I think Donato was healthy scratched a few times last season right before he got dealt so maybe it has no impact I I, you know but but it, it will be interesting to see what happens with Heinen and who they decide to part ways with I mean I think that you know they want to keep an eye on the future they want to keep their first round picks so maybe you put a guy you know a guy like Heinen in a deal mm-hmm. instead of a first round pick I mean you know I mean I, and
1: see, yeah I mean also it could be just another trade chip if they want to get creative and let's say they do a couple of different deals I mean it's a good situation for the Bruins to have where all right they don't include Heinen they have a guy who you know the book is out that he's a very good defensive forward and we saw last year how well he gelled with Coyle in the playoffs, so he very well could do that again this year. But also, you know, they could stick with that situation, or if they were to trade him, I mean, they have the assets that if they wanted to pick up, you know, like a top-six guy, like, I mean, you know, pick could pick of any of those guys linked to him, like Palmieri or Coyote or Toffoli, you know, they have the assets. They can get a guy like Toffoli for a second couple of prospects and then do another trade for a guy like Anderson, and Anderson slots in on the third line as, like, a, a physical guy with, with Coyle. Like, and then you, I think that's a guy that would fit in pretty well there, and he obviously translates very well to what you want to see out of a, a guy in the postseason, a guy with speed that can throw his weight around. So, Bruins gonna kind of have a little bit of a win-win either way. It would obviously, you know, be unfortunate to see Heinen get traded, but if it's for a guy like Anderson, who could probably help this team and fit in a little bit more, then know, to win there. But if they want, if they stick with Heinen, he's still perfectly suitable on that third line. Like they, they Sweeney has quite a few options going into this deadline.
0: Yeah, I think he does, but I think obviously the the pressure is now there, especially with the Lightning getting Coleman. That you got to do something. You have to do it. And again, the window for this for this core is closing quick. So you you know again, you've got to do something. Um, so for what should the Bruins do? Let's say me and you, we both get to be GM on Monday, February twenty fourth. Don Sweeney says Evan and Connor, you guys get the keys to the team for one day, the most important day of the season. We get right to make level. the decisions. We get to make the calls. Natural stat pull up natural stat trick everywhere. Uh, we're gonna we're gonna wheel and deal. So I'll give my um I, I I here's what I think the Bruins should do. Um first option, go out and get a guy like Tyler Foley. You know he's one, he, I think he's is he won one cup or two? Was he on I both cups? I, I
1: think I think maybe one, but don't quote me on that. Like it, it I might be. I think it was, I think it's one. I think it was 2014. I don't think he was there.
0: Yeah, I think it was just the one in 2014 when they beat the Rangers. So he's won a cup, you know, he, granted they've been trashed the past couple of years, but, you know, he knows what it takes to win. He's, he's been there. He's gone down that road. Um, and I think, you know, the proven track record in the past with scoring, I think is very, very, uh, you know, promising. Putting him with a guy like Krejci would be great. I mean, that's a legitimate top six right winger you're putting with Krejci. The first one he's had since Rick Nash. Before that, it was a like fucking Nathan Horton, um, mm-hmm. and also it's not going to take as much to get him as it would a guy like maybe Chris Kreider. You know, I, again, as we said earlier in this in the show, you're probably not going to have to give up a first round pick for Tyler Toffoli. It's going to be a second, you know, or a third, and a bunch of prospects, or maybe not even a bunch, just a, you know, a couple. So that would be my main move. I think a solid secondary move if you, know, if you can't get a guy like Toffoli. You know, Paul, Kyle Palmieri as well. You know, I think it's Palmieri or Toffoli. Not both, but you know, if you can get one of them, go for it. If you can't, you know, or if you do a guy like Toffoli and then add a guy like Anderson or, or, or add a guy like Kasha, um, and kind of create internal competition on that, even more internal competition on that third line. I don't see how they make two moves and don't give up a current NHLer off the roster. Like I think if they go, let's say in theory they went for Toffoli and Kasha you're going to have to probably give up a guy like Danton Heinen, or you're going to have to yep. give up someone off the roster. Um, so that's personally what I think they should do. Uh, what about you, sir?
1: Well, I think when you look at the fact that people said the Bruins were in the running for a guy like Coleman, who um obviously kind of had that value of, you know, a guy that probably would have necessitated a first-round pick and a guy who's under contract for another year for good value. I think that links to the fact that it's kind of the Bruins are pursuing a guy with term that they can – um, you know, balance kind of their their cap flexibility in the next couple of years. So I think I wouldn't be surprised if their number one target is a guy like Paul Mary, who I think you have to look at the, the money a little bit to see how it works. I think you'd have to do a little bit of finagling with with the cap because uh, he's I think he's got a 4.6 million cap hit next year too. So you to have to like you know include a guy like Heinen or you know maybe Kevin Miller staying on LTIR for the whole year. So they have to do a little bit of juggling with that but I think in terms of what Paul Mary brings them as a, a veteran guy a guy who's scored 30 goals for four is kind of more or less on that same pace um very very good defensive player you know I think um people talked quite a bit about how good Coleman was for the Devils in terms of I think you know his expected goals against was I think third on the team number one was Paul Mary like Paul Mary's the guy who's very very active can throw his weight around but you know makes you know a very smart player makes the small little plays that kinda of go a long way. So I think from the Bruins and you know, it seems like based on how they were viewing this Coleman deal, and then prioritizing guys with, you know, scoring potential under term for a pretty pretty reasonable contract. I think that um he's kind of the guy they look at. But again, there's so many other guys they can look at in terms of fallback options. But if I'm them and you know and you're you're trading away a first round pick, I think I'd invested more in who who is term than a guy like Cryder who is also very, very good, but I don't see the the major you know dip in between a guy like Kreider and you know a guy like um you know a guy like what Paul Palmieri brings especially when he's under term you know it's not like it's all right pick between Kyle Palmieri and Akrami Panarin like it's not like this <laughs> humongous gap you know like exactly look at him you look at him you look at him you look at at Palmieri you look at Tofoley they're all on pace for like twenty seven to thirty goals so it's not like there's some forty goal scorer out there who's like waiting to get picked up so.
0: Yeah, Chris Kreider only has 23 goals this season, 57 games. It's not that far off from anyone we've talked about. I mean, you know, it's a a lot of the MO with Kreider is, you know, he's this tremendous talent who people have been waiting to see more out of. You know, you'll see – I forget who was saying this, but someone was saying, like, you know, you'll see him just make an incredible rush down the ice and score a goal, and it's like, where is that every shift? Where is that every game? Um, So, you know, again, Kreider's a local guy, so obviously Boston – the, the Bruins mm-hmm. love the, the local angle. Maybe as GMs, we decide to go for a guy like Palmieri who's from New Jersey, or or we go, you know, um, we pick someone who's not from uh, the Boston area. I mean, um,
1: it, it, it would be funny if they picked up Palmieri because I know him and Chris Wagner are like best buds. So it would be the second year in a row where they just add mm-hmm. one of Chris Wagner's friends to the team after getting coiled. So.
0: I know. It's just, it's turning into the Chris Wagner Bruins. He's got yeah, the drink exactly. out, and he's I, got I, coil. You know, I, it's just, it's all just shaping up for, and he got his contract extension, so it's. Exactly. So you're, these, you're these, these,
1: are,
0: these are the Chris Wagner Bruins. These are not, yeah. you know, the, the Patrice Bergeron, the Brad Marchand, Dave Poshdok Bruins. These are the Chris Wagner Bruins. Um, Connor, before I let you go, uh, I always say, you know, to subscribe to Boston Sports Journal, and that seems, you know, I, I say that about, you know, a lot of things. Why should someone subscribe to Boston Sports Journal right now? What do you work on?
1: Uh, so it's pretty much, you know, you should subscribe subscribe to us because we have a whole bunch of kind of unique content unique uh, analysis we look kind of beyond the the general box score and uh you know the the basic you know practice takeaways we try to give some added context to you know why a guy is you know playing with a certain group of guys where this guy best fits in the lineup and looking into scenarios and um uh, you know last couple of weeks we've done a lot of deep dives on some of these players you know we looked at Kovalchuk's impact, and we've looked at De Foley and, and Kreider and Palmieri's impact, you know, weeks before, you know, they really started taking deep dives, into, you know, the broom should be targeting, and we'll obviously revisit all that stuff in this week leading up to the trade deadline, but uh, have a lot of other good stuff, a lot of fun features, um, done a couple of fun ones now where I'm talking about guys and their kind of travel habits and stuff like that, which is a nice kind of change of pace from the usual X's and O's or game recap stuff like that, so we have kind of a whole package of uh, unique and uh, in my humble opinion, great content. So uh, if you want to subscribe to us, you know, go to com and subscribe. And if you want to follow me on Twitter, uh, you can follow me at Connor Ryan underscore 93.
0: Very unique content. Um, and it's very good content. It's, and that's my not humble opinion. That's a very out and about opinion um, on you guys. But Connor, thanks so much for joining. Uh, this is the last podcast until the deadline, because we re- I record these on Mondays. So next Monday, I'll be recording it right after the deadline. So it'll be like an instant reaction to the trade deadline. So this is the last podcast I'm doing before um, the deadline. So no better uh, trade deadline preview out there than this one. Uh, than, than Connor
1: and until, I. until the next podcast where it's going to be like Brendan Dillon and like uh,
0: Darren and <laughs> these guys where it's like we completely missed. But it's the fun in it, right? <laughs> That's the fun. I mean, you you have no idea. I don't think Marcus Johansson was thrown a lot la- around a lot last year, and neither was Charlie Coyle. No, it was Mark, both of, Mark, It was Mark Stone sweepstakes. That that was it was the Mark Stone sweepstakes. There, the uh, Pan- Panarin was another big name, right?
1: Yeah, there was rumors about it, and then what happened is they the Blue Jackets that went all in instead. Remember, they're like, oh, maybe we'll sell off Panarin. They like, no, we're going to pick up Matthew Shane and Zingle and all these guys.
0: That's right. They made the big trade. <laughs> With the Senators, I forgot about that. Yeah, last deadline was actually pretty. Last deadline had a lot of stuff um, mm-hmm. go on, and i I expect it's going to be the same thing. Um, not as big, na- Not as big of names are flying around out there. But for the, for a team like the Bruins, I think this this might be their most important deadline yet because, as, as I mentioned, that window is closing so fast. Um, but yes, I hope you enjoyed this. And for CLNS Media, I'm Evan Marinovsky. You Bruinsby listeners, have a great rest of your week. <laughs>